It's like I hated myself so much and I thought that I would fail at everything that I would mess that up. Like I couldn't even kill myself right. Hey there, my name is Sean and this is Suicide Noted. On this podcast, I talk with suicide attempt survivors so that we can hear their stories. Every year around the world, millions of people try to take their own lives and we almost never talk about it. And when we do talk about it, many of us, including me, are not very good at it. So one of my goals with this podcast is to have more conversations and hopefully better conversations with attempt survivors. As always, I want to thank Every attempt survivor who has joined me here on this podcast who talked so openly, so courageously. And of course, to everybody who listens to the podcast. I really appreciate it. If you want to help us out financially, there's a couple options in the show notes. A one-time donation or an ongoing contribution through Patreon. So there are links to that. And in addition to letting folks know about this podcast, if you rate or review it on Apple Podcasts, if that's where you listen, that would also help a lot too. And listen, hey... People need to hear this stuff. There are people out there who probably don't know about this podcast and would benefit from hearing it. So please help me spread the word. Thank you so much for that. Today, I am talking with Kimberly. Kimberly lives in Mississippi, and she is a suicide attempt survivor. Hey, Kimberly, how you doing? I'm good. Thanks for joining me and figuring this out and talking. Appreciate it. Yeah, this is my first time to do Zoom, so. Where are you, by the way? Um, Mississippi. All right. First person for this podcast from the great state of Mississippi, presumably because you have attempted suicide at least once in your life. Yes. And you heard the podcast at some point, probably, and you thought, God, that guy sounds amazing. I want to talk to him. No, I'm just kidding. That was it. I'm always curious, what is it about hearing something like that and then taking the next step to say, I'm actually going to reach out and I might even want to talk about it. Well, I've been trying to figure out for a couple of years how I can help in some way since my my youngest son, I have three boys, and my youngest one at 13 had an attempt. And there wasn't anywhere for him to go. He ended up in a state hospital. And I was about the same age when I first started having my suicidal ideations. Mm-hmm. And so i decided that I needed to fix myself, figure out what was going on with with me, how I felt at his age so that I could help him and maybe Mm. help other kids. So there's nowhere in Mississippi for kids to go that are between 13 and 17, except for a state hospital. Nowhere to go. There's a good program at Batson's, which is a children's hospital, but they quit taking him at 13 and he was 13. He'd been 13 for a few months. All right. So when when was that? So mine was in 2017. So his was almost two years, 2019. And your 13-year-old son at the time in 2019 tried. Yeah. He came home from school and just took all his ADD medicine, went and laid down. Uh Like it was no big deal. Didn't say anything to me. And I just saw the medicine on the counter. How'd you react? Um, Well, I tried to get him to drink some charcoal, you know, talk to him. Like, what do you want to do? Do you want to go to the emergency room? So my mom was very against me taking him. 
because I called her and told her, but that's how she was with me. Like when I mm-hmm. told her that I was having issues when I was his age, she would say, you're being selfish. Why would you do this to me? And so I never went to therapy until I had another attempt in 2017. So you deal with your son. It sounds quite differently than your mom did with you. I try to be what I needed. That makes sense. Who has charcoal lying around? (laughs) I will put it in the bottom of like potted plants. So it doesn't have like a smell to it. I like to garden a lot. And that's what they gave him whenever he went was a whole two cups of charcoal. He lives. Mm-hmm. He survives. He spent some time in a hospital that. Yeah, he feels like it made it worse. Yeah. Okay. That makes. Yep. I hear that. A lot of the kids and they were very, they had been in like bad homes and they would rather be there than be at home. Yeah. That were like sharpening markers and stabbing each other. There were fights every day. So it's like a holding ground for anybody in any condition, any situation. Just throw them all in there. Yeah. How long was he in there for? It was on a Wednesday. And so that day didn't count. Weekends don't count. And it was a 48 hour hold. So I think I got him out on that Monday. It may have been a Tuesday. I never talked to a doctor. No. I would go up there every day. It was about an hour and a half, two hours away from me. Mm -hmm. I'll drive up there every day. I couldn't see him, but um, two times. They only have certain times that you can see him and only certain times you can talk to him. Yeah, no, talking to your mother wouldn't be a wise thing to do for a child in a home. She like was that. pretty far mad. away from, far away from home. And <laughs> yeah, and just try to end their life. That would uh, you can sense my sarcasm. How did your this is going to be more about you, but I am also curious mm-hmm. if you're open to sharing. So how do your other two children respond to your son's attempt when they learn of it, if they know about it? No, they do. Yeah, we we're we're all four very close. So we talk about. Anything they want to talk about. So my oldest one was in college. He had just, Mm -hmm. that was his first year of college. And my other one was at work. And I called him and told him, which I probably should have waited a little bit, but he was in 11th grade then. And so he left work and came to the emergency. It happened um, at like 11 o'clock in the afternoon. Okay. So by then it was like five or six at night. Right. So he came in and his work family were real supportive and they came in and um, and we ended up having to go to the ambulance to Jackson, which is about two hours away. He, he was supposed to go in there, but at five o'clock in the morning, they told me that the cutoff was 12 so that they were going to have to send him somewhere else, but they were going to put us upstairs until that time. So at five in the morning, I hadn't slept yet and I was so upset And they had me sign these papers and I thought it was for us to go upstairs, but it was to go to the state hospital. That's even worse than the state hospital we have here. Well, I mean, hey, if you're 15 year old, I believe son now. He's 16. He's 16. If he ever wants to come on the podcast. (laughs) I I try and get him to talk about it some, but he just doesn't. He's just not there yet. Sure. I get that. Most people are probably in that space. All right. So if we can, let's move to you. Yeah. Uh, so you said, if I heard correctly, you attempted in 2017. Mm-hmm. But you also, I think, implied there was another attempt, an earlier attempt, right? I break it down into three different times that I've been actively suicidal. The first time I was in seventh grade, just felt very isolated. 
I didn't really know what to think about it. We didn't have internet and stuff like that where I could look it up. So I felt like I was the only person. So that lasted uh, probably to about ninth grade. I would just like, um, I became bulimic. To the throwing up would help. Like when I hear people talk about cutting, that's what throwing up felt okay. like to me. Yep. Mm-hmm. And then I kind of fell into drugs. So then I got totally different friends and kind of numbed it with that. Then I had kids, my first kid when I was 21, and I just cleaned up. I would say from seventh grade to like ninth grade, I was pretty active thinking about it, but I never so, did anything. Didn't try. And I would try and tell my mom and I would try and tell like anyone I could, but no one, you know, it's just like, you're fine. Like other people have it worse than you, that kind of thing. I'm wondering, did you get any sort of therapy or counseling or anything like that? No, my mother would have been very against that. It's, uh, I don't know if it's the Bible belt or, you know, what would the neighbors think, or you just don't do that. Sure. I, it was embarrassing to her. She wouldn't have told anybody or reached out and talked about it to, to anyone. She'd probably be upset that I'm actually talking. <laughs> you had mentioned that how she responded to your son. So I imagine some time has gone by, but she's similar to the way she was then. Yes. Yes. It hasn't changed much. All right. So you would would ideate. Yes. Uh, So it never really went away. I still would think about it every day and it would always be kind of my go-to if I would get very overwhelmed and upset, but I just numbed it with drugs pretty much until I quit doing that. And then soon after that, I got pregnant. So it was all about my kids. Did you have anybody in your life to talk to about, particularly about some of this stuff, ideating? I had a friend that came to our school and she was in the eighth grade. And I would say she's the one that helped me kind of get out of that funk. Well, I say a funk, it was way more than that. But she helped me a lot. Like she was my, I would say my first real friend. She ended up taking her life in 2005. Mm. So we would kind of talk about it, but she would push stuff back. Like she wasn't real open to talking about feelings that much. It was like, let's go take a Xanax and you'll be fine. <laughs> go drink something and, you know. And she took her own life. Yeah. Mm, that must have been a hard one. Yeah. So, all right, now you're in your 20s. You've got a kid. So I've got my oldest two are 22 months apart. So 21 and 22, I had those two. Yeah. So the second time I was getting a divorce, he was very abusive mentally, physically. He had been cheating. So that was my go-to. Like when he would hit me, I would just say, well, he never put me in the hospital. Sure. I would always kind of justify something, you know? Right. Why or how did you end up leaving? It's hard to get out of those sometimes. It took me a while. I went back a few times after that. I just couldn't take it anymore. Like that was my grandfather had just passed away and I was really close to him and found out that he had left me and the two little ones. They were four and two at the time. Getting a divorce, two children. Take me through, if you would, to the second. The Actually, it's your first attempt, right? I really say my only real attempt was in 2017. And that was like also the end of a relationship, getting a, getting a divorce. Relationships are definitely a trigger for me. When you're talking about 
your twenties, you've got your two children, you went through the divorce, you're divorced, you lost your grandpa. Why do you classify that as a sort of like the second phase? Because I also got pregnant right after my divorce was final and his dad decided to move to New York and ghost me. So he, ne- he went and answer the phone. Everyone was kind of like looking at me like, like church. And everyone was looking at me like I was like, I was the reason why I had gotten a divorce. Um, because I got pregnant right after the divorce was final, which I never did anything during the divorce. That time I never stepped out in the marriage, never even thought about it, but fertile Myrtle gets pregnant like the first time. Yeah. So he left and I guess I was just in such a bad place. I didn't know who I was. I didn't know what I liked or what I didn't like. I just knew who I had become in the five years that I was married. And so I didn't know if I was different because I was older or because I was a mom of two kids or I didn't even know what I liked because he was so controlling. Mm -hmm. Like I just changed myself to be whatever to make that marriage work while I'm pregnant. If I just hit a tree, like if I just hit a tree, it would look like, it would look like an accident. And then he wouldn't have to have to know that his dad didn't want him, you know, who would ever want me. And I had my dad telling me like, no one's ever going to want someone that has three kids. Like everyone would be better off if I was gone. And maybe if he was gone too, but I wasn't gonna, I wanted him with me. I felt like he had a purpose. I stuck it out for him and his brothers. And I didn't want my ex-husband to raise those two. Mm -hmm. I don't really know when I got better. It's like sometimes I just like wake up and I'm like, okay, when did that happen? Like, when did I quit thinking about end of my life? Could have been a month or it could have been longer, but yeah, I, I don't know. Like all three of those times, it's been kind of like that, like. I don't see the light at the end of the tunnel at all. And that time was bad. That time was really, I say the 2017 was the only time, but if I didn't have those kids were so little and I thought anybody could have taken care of them Mm -hmm. then. And I was telling my mom then too. And she was all like, you can't do that to your kids. You can't do that to, you know, the older two. And I just kind of pushed through and then I was okay for a while, kind of got into some halfway relationships, but nothing, nothing meaningful, you know, having small kids, that's not very, having a baby too. (laughs) How close did you come when you uh, were pregnant? Said that you would look at a tree and you're driving. How close did you come? I came really close, like where I would speed up and then just kind of I, I, I was like looking for places like really curvy roads. I was pretty obsessed with it for probably about a year. I mean, I had like where I would do it in the curviest like country road. And then my fear has been with those two times why I didn't do it. It's like I hated myself so much. And I thought that I would fail at everything that I would mess that up. Like I couldn't even kill myself right. Like I would end up being more of a burden. Like I would end up being like paralyzed or something. And then somebody else, then like my parents would have to take care of me and then it would be even worse. So I just never could, those two times is like as bad as I wanted to. I just never could figure out the right way to do it that would be successful. Do you wish that you had tried? 
No, no, I'm glad that I have made it now. I mean, I adore my kids. I love my life that I have now. Mm. I haven't thought about killing myself in a whole year. Like this month, I think is when it's probably been a year. And I have not been able to say that since sixth, seventh grade. Wow. What? If anything, I don't want to put words in your mouth. I think something must change so that you're feeling a little better. You said you're not going or you didn't go to therapy or counseling. There's all sorts of ways to heal. What was it? If any, like what was it for you? Was it your children or something else? Yeah, I just thought I'd just live for them. Like I'm, my life and what I wanted and everything, just I just let go. Anything that I wanted, just I let that go and I just live for them. I'm not saying that, that that was not the right thing to do. I mean, it made me want to live, but it also made me not truly myself. I always felt like I was um, an embarrassment to my family. To Like I didn't want to embarrass my kids by the way I look or what I say or, or anything. So I would just try and be that person that I felt like would fit in with this little Mississippi town. <laughs> Little Mississippi town. How many big towns are there in Mississippi? Jackson's probably the yeah. biggest. Not ripping on Mississippi. I'm not that guy. I'm in Carolina. It's, you know, hey, uh, it's all good. Your kids are grown or two of them are growing up. The other one's a teenager. Uh, one of them has tried. We know that. Yes. You'd said right now that you are actually, we skipped something rather important. Okay. 2017, not so okay from what you've Yeah, shared. and it's almost like I had like PTSD from it. Like if I started getting a little bit upset, I would, oh my gosh, I'm about to like go back down that mm. hole mm. and I don't know if I'm going to come out of it this time. Like I don't know if I have what it takes to, to pull myself back out of it because I don't know how I got out of it those mm-hmm. other two times. Yeah, it was up and down and it was, you know, a lot of it was relationships when relationships would end, which was probably me just pushing people away or getting in relationships with people that weren't available because I hadn't figured the whole that out yet. What happened in 2017? Well, I say I tried. I mean, what I, I had everything prepared. I've been going to the doctor a lot for chest pains. I've had chest pains since I was 12, 13, and they said it was asthma. And so um, it was actually panic attacks. They didn't tell me that until I was 40, but um, I was having chest pains a lot and they were doing a lot of tests and I wasn't sleeping well. So she was writing me for pain pills. I mean, not pain pills, um, sleeping pills. Mm -hmm. So I was just saving all my sleeping pills. I had months worth of sleeping pills because I wasn't going to fail at it. You know, I was going to make sure to have it. So I had everything out. And that day I'd been at work. I had a desk job. I was just crying so much. Um, My husband at the time was deployed and we had six kids together and he wasn't talking to me. And we had been having Mm -hmm. issues before he was in Qatar. So I couldn't like just pick, you know, go over and talk to him. So that was really triggering me. I didn't know what was going on with my marriage. Another one was going to end. And so Mm. I had all this, and it's like, I almost had all those pills for just in case, like it almost gave me like a little bit of like, made me feel better to know that like, if I decided I had that, I ended up leaving, just leaving work. I, I didn't tell him I was leaving or anything. I just left and I went home and I had 
all of my pills out, but then I started worrying about my kids. Like, what if my kids came home? I had called my mom and said, I need you to make sure that the kids get home from school. Okay, take them to your house. And I was just crying so much. And somehow she taught me to go in to see the doctor that I've been seeing. And that was her friend. I was like, well, you know, I was just going to go, but then I was going to come back and finish. Mm-hmm. I just needed to do that so that I knew that my kids were taken care of. I never had an intention of, I want to be uh, someone to save me. I went in and I still couldn't stop crying. So my mom had talked to the doctor and she said that she had to stay with me in my bed for two weeks until the antidepressants that she gave me kicked in. I don't really remember much about those two weeks. So I didn't really, I guess I didn't really have an attempt because she threw everything, all my medicine away. Mm -hmm. I was pretty mad about that. But I mean, I did tell them like I had, I probably had six months worth of sleeping pills. I don't, I just don't really remember. I don't know why. And I've even asked my older two if they remember anything from that time. And they remember like my mom having to go to her house and that they, they would have to watch me. Mm-hmm. And when she'd come back, she'd get upset because they weren't like in the room with me watching me. But they didn't get like, you got to watch your mom because she might go off herself or something. And also at that time, I was starting to make myself throw up again. We really shouldn't have ever been married because I just fell in love with that idea of having a family. Mm -hmm. It wasn't really, he didn't love me. I didn't love him, but we were just a family. So I was just being whatever I needed to be again to fit what I thought that he wanted me to be. Are you still together? So he got back from deployment, lived here for two weeks, and then he just left. He never talked about he was going to get a divorce or he wanted anything, but he had had it all planned out. When was this? Oh, okay. So this is in 2017. Um, That's a big year for you then. A lot of hap- lot happens. Yeah, that's how my, my life kind of goes. It just goes in like a lot of really bad stuff in one year, and then it kind of gets chill for a little bit. You said today you are glad, I don't know if that's the exact word you used, that you didn't try. You're glad Mm -hmm. you're alive. You've got your three children. Mm -hmm. You're mostly okay. Yeah, yeah, I think I am. But I do stuff for me. Like, I'm not worried that I'm going to mess up their childhood anymore because they're Mm -hmm. happy with how they are and how I raised them. I mean, I've got all three of them living home since the whole corona shutdown stuff the oldest two moved back home okay do you have anybody in your life who you can talk to about these kinds of things when they surface besides my kids do you talk to them about this stuff they're pretty smart like i can talk to them about some they're smarter than like most of my friends and stuff or i'll have friends that i can talk to but they really don't want to hear it like whenever um my friend that died of suicide in 2005, a few of our friends talk about how selfish it was. And that really upset me. Like when people say that it's selfish, it just, that's one like thing that just drives me crazy because, well, in one way I should be happy for them because if you think it's selfish, you've never felt like that. Right. Sure. Because sure. people that have thought like that, like they're probably the most unselfish people because everyone that I've heard 
talk about it is like think about their kids and they're thinking they they really think that everyone would be better without them there. But your mind is so twisted and messed up at that time. It's I don't know. It's weird to even think about the things like how my mind was working back then. Sure. I don't feel like that's me. I've said it's almost like. Like when I'm PMSing really bad, like the week before, <laughs> before I start, and I know that I'm like acting crazy and I can just look at my little app and say, okay, like I'm about to have my time of the month. So that's why I'm acting crazy. But I don't feel like I'm myself at all. Well, it's like that, except for I don't know if it's ever, at least I know it's going to end in a few days. When I'm feeling suicidal, I don't feel like there's an end. If this comes up again for you, moving forward, if these feelings start to surface. And there's no judgment here. I'm just curious because I'm very curious about how people sort of get on with their lives and deal with the world. It sounds like you don't really have people in your life who you could talk to. And I don't mean just like, hey, I'm having a tough day. I mean, like, hey, I'm thinking about ending my life. You know what I've thought about? I wish because I've almost been like a little, this is going to sound crazy, a little jealous of people that are in AA because Mm -hmm. They had the support group, a sponsor that they could call and say, hey, like, this is what's going on. And it's someone that like gets it. Like, I wish there was a sponsor for people that are have suicidal ideations and that you can say, I mean, I don't know. I've never called a suicide hotline, but I'm also like, because of how my mom is talked about it, like highly paranoid that I'm going to get locked up. If I ever said, I don't think you're paranoid. I think that's a very logical thing because that does happen. And then it's not meant to scare, but it's true. That is a real, that is a possibility. And I don't think, by the way, and I know you're not asking me to validate what you said or who you are, but I think the idea, I don't, it doesn't sound like you want to be an addict. It sounds like you want someone to talk to, someone who has your back, somebody who understands. That's not at all crazy to me. That's the opposite of that. There are times where I felt like I was an addict, um, like in high school, or I did. I do think I got a drinking problem in my 30s, but now I just like I could care less about drinking or doing any drugs. Other than from what you shared, the idea that it is not a selfish act. Mm -hmm. Is there anything else that you would like to educate people on from your point of view that is simply a myth or something that's not true, like the fact that it's not selfish? Other things for you? Well, you can control your mind. Like people think that like everything's just happening to them. And this is just like, this is what they have to be is what society wants them to be or what their parents want them to be or what their friends want them to be. For some reason, we are taught not to follow our intuition. Mm -hmm. And every other animal species follows their intuition. They know where to go eat. They know what to do. They know when something feels shady to get out of the way. And for some reason, we ignore that because there's been so many times where I've been, why didn't I listen to myself? Like that situation felt so off. Why was I with that person? Why did I stay in that marriage? Or why did I marry him? Like it never, but other people, like I, I cared more about what other people thought. So I guess a myth would be, that you can't control your life, that you're not, that things are just happening to you. How you think is the biggest thing that I have learned to control. Like if you think that the world is terrible, the world's going to be terrible. I get it now. Okay. I mean, you, you get it when you get it. 
Yeah, it took long enough. I got, I get it now. What more than anything else helps you feel okay? Meditation. If I am meditating every day for at least 30 minutes a day, it helps. Like, especially if I do it in the morning, if I do some kind of self-care, Mm-hmm. I did never do that before. I always made sure like all the dogs and the chickens and the pigs and the kids and everybody's taken care of before I did anything. And now all before right. everybody wakes up, that's my little time. I can feel my feelings more. And I think it is from meditating more. Mm-hmm. And so if I am start feeling like I'm getting sad or upset, I can kind of get out ahead of it take time for myself, go for a hike, or that helps a lot to just getting in nature. I, I don't know, for some reason, we feel like 10 minutes, 30 minutes, an hour, or even a day is so long. But it's really, if you think about it in your whole lifespan, or if it's going to save your life, then what are the odds that you'll try in the future? Well, as long as I'm feeling like this, I think I would say zero. I mean, I'm hoping I want that I know myself well enough. Mm-hmm that I want to do that. But I'm also <laughs> scared to death to get into a relationship of any kind because that's my trigger. Mm-hmm. So as long as I'm single, I would say, okay. <laughs> I'd say a hundred percent. So maybe that should, I had my therapist last year told me I can never date. Got so. it. <laughs> oh, so you do have a therapist. I, well, after she told me that, I didn't ever go to her again. Okay. Because that's heartbreaking, you know, like that's not a thing that you want to hear. When you think, I'm not picking on your mom here, but you brought her up a couple of times. Uh-huh. If you could change one thing, just one, about the way your mom engages with you, particularly around this stuff, what would it be? I think she has understood more since she did stay with me for those two weeks. I wish she would acknowledge how she acted when I was in middle school. Like she didn't have to change it. I just wish that she would just say, I'm sorry, I didn't have the tools or I didn't understand. Um, yeah. Just acknowledge it instead of make excuses for it or get upset or just say like, yes, I'm just a terrible mother. Like I'm not saying that. I'm just saying like, I'm trying to heal here. Yeah. And, and since she's seen me go through with my son, I do have more compassion with her since um, being a parent that's having to go through it. The last question. Here it is. You ready? Mm-hmm. Uh, this is a tough one. <laughs> the suicide rate based on the numbers that I see is going up. Mm-hmm. I believe in both attempts and completions for lack of a better word. You are not an expert in this, but you are obviously an expert in your own life and your own lived experience. Why do you think the suicide rate is rising? I think a lot of these, the people that are struggled like me, like my son, and that I've heard a lot of people on the podcast, there's something going on when we are in that fundamental, like middle school age, and it's not getting addressed and it's not getting fixed. Mm-hmm. And parents have this thing of like, well, when I was your age, like we didn't do this instead of trying to do like I am and said, this is what I needed. You know, maybe it's social media like like that they can see if they weren't invited to a party like that can just totally rock them because they see it in real time. And with adults, I don't know. I've had I've had a lot of friends that have committed suicide. And so I've thought about this a lot. I don't know why it's going up. It's the people that have the best hearts. Mm. 
the ones that would do anything for you, like everyone's like, oh, I wouldn't have ever worried about that person. They were so funny. They were so kind. They were always there for me. Well, they know how it feels to to hurt and they yep. don't ever want anybody else to hurt like that. So yep. I think those are the people that we need to look for more or the class clowns, the funny ones, the ones that are always checking on you because that's what they want. They want someone to check on them. Mm-hmm. Well, I am pretty sure your three children are pretty pumped and psyched and glad that you are alive. Let's do that. <laughs> Thank um, you. All right, cool. Uh, thanks again, Kimberly. I really appreciate Thank it. Thank all right. You. Have a all good right. day. Stay well. Okay. Bye. All right. As always, thanks so much for listening and all of your support and special thanks to Kimberly out in Mississippi. Thank you, Kimberly. If you are a suicide attempt survivor and you'd like to talk, please reach out. Hello at suicidenoted.com or on Facebook or Twitter at Suicide Noted. And as always, please, if you listen on Apple Podcasts, rate and review this podcast. It really helps people find it. Really appreciate that. That is all for episode number 78. Stay strong. Do the very best you can. I'll talk to you soon.